Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our editor at RollBamaRoll.com is rejoining us this week to follow up on Alabama's class after the early signing period. He's Brent Taylor. Guys, let's jump right in. Nick Saban and staff had, to me, a gigantic early signing period by simply signing everyone they already had committed. And in this time period where the days leading up to signing day are as hectic for staffs as they've ever been, there's something to be said for holding on to your commitments. Yeah, that's something that can, if you go back to last year, you know, you take for granted. And what's even crazier to me, too, is if you look at what they finished uh, the early signing day with securing and you look at the rankings on the composite 24-7 and you think back to when we talked preseason about recruiting and Clemson's class and the total points and, you know, how far and above they were everyone else. And then you look at it, it it's really it's quite amazing the job, you know, Alabama and Nick Saban have done to get these kids to come and close that total point gap on uh, 24-7, uh, seeing that they're recruiting for a dead dynasty. Yeah, you know, I think my my favorite part of all of it, too, is that such a big chunk of this class is coming from in-state. And, you, you know, over the last few years, we've seen a lot more recruiting out-of-state, out-of-state. And as a result, Auburn's gotten a lot of the in-state guys. Uh, but this year, we've got, let's see, Des Moines Kennedy, Quandarius Robinson and Roy Dell Williams are top three in the state, and Alabama got all three. So I think there's something to be said for that. I can't prove it, but you have to think those in-state guys probably have a little something else to play for, especially when they play the Iron Bowl. So, and especially uh, Des Moines Kennedy was just huge being able to keep him. There's a lot of people talking. He may go to LSU, and we we really needed that. I mean, he's just a fast, hard-hitting inside linebacker. But you know, he's kind of got a little Reuben Foster to his game. He's just out there trying to lay someone out the whole time. Yeah, there were some rumors about Tim Smith potentially flipping to Florida. Uh, Kirby tried to get Bryce Young in on a secret visit to <laughs> Georgia. We've all heard yeah. Like, just look at LSU's class on signing day. They're still fifth overall on 24-7, but they lost five-star receiver Rakim Jarrett to Maryland, uh, four-star top ten receiver Jermaine Burton to Georgia in the same day two guys that had been committed to LSU for several months now, and now they kind of have to totally reassess what they're doing at receiver, and that's not something that Alabama's really having to scramble and do. Uh, look, look at Mike Loxley up there in Maryland, still still helping us out at Alabama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what I take a lot of a joy in is the fact that LSU has this historic offense this year, and they still cannot hold on to a wide receiver recruit for nothing. So that that is uh, that is just perfect. Yeah, if he wasn't going to flip to Alabama, that's that's really the best spot for him to be for for Alabama. Um, they did add one commitment on signing day, and it was a big one. Running back, four star, top fifty overall prospect in the country, Jace McClellan. He flipped his commitment from Oklahoma to Alabama, and kind of a stunner, guys. He had. Been been committed to Oklahoma since July of 2017. So about two and a half years ago is when he committed there, only to switch on signing day. So my favorite, I saw a tweet somewhere that said one year ago, Oklahoma's top two commits were (laughs) Jace McClellan and Drew Sanders. 
Auburn's top two were Demoe Kennedy and Quandarius Robinson. <laughs> and USC's top commit was Bryce Young. <laughs> and all five signed with Alabama. <laughs> but he, Guys, yeah. if you want proof of the Red Elephant Club any more than what <laughs> we already have, this is it. So, <laughs> well, You love this type of thing when it benefits you. But can, can you oh, imagine no. having a kid committed for over two years? Imagine you're the assistant coach, his lead recruiter. You have a, com- a kid committed for over two years only to watch him switch to Alabama on signing day. And the bad part is coaches can't even be mad publicly. You can't bash a (laughs) 17-year-old out loud if you're a university employee for choosing the school that he wants to go to. So you have to basically sit there and be mad quietly. I don't know how some of these guys make a career of it. Half of your success depends on the decision of high school kids, and I'm not sure that I'd be cut out for that. No, well, I'm way I too absolutely petty. Absolutely wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of makes the fact that Nick Saban is still churning out top classes every cycle that much more unbelievable, right? Oh yeah, I mean it just keeps going every year. Uh, you know, there was the there was a bit of a lull in 2018, and when I say a bit, I mean that's what the fifth overall class anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there was a couple of weak years in 2010, 2011, and it's kind of funny when you go back and look at those. You say, okay, Alabama's 2010, 2011 classes were kind of kind of subpar. Well, what were probably two of the most disappointing seasons until this one were 2013 and then 2014. You know, so that all those players would have been upperclassmen, and then is getting to be the same thing 2018 was a weak class so now all of a sudden this year we're starting to look thin and we'll probably see it a little next year but now we've had the 19 class and 20 class are both very strong yeah so hey 2021 yeah <laughs> we'll see Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the end, Alabama signs one of the premier running backs in the country. Uh, I've also heard, I don't know if y'all heard this, that the top overall running back in the country, Zach Evans, reached out to the staff right before signing day and was basically told no. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I've heard too. Uh, Evans has been kind of in the news a lot over and over and over just for attitude issues or what, whatever it is. Um, so despite being a five-star guy, I've actually never really watched any of his stuff or studied him just because I've heard for so long that he was such a discipline issue and uh, Saban had basically backed off recruiting him probably in August. And I heard last month the way Saban was going to look at things a little bit differently going into this early signing period as well as the final signing period in February is due somewhat in part of, you know, last year with the Abianoma and then this year with uh, Antonio Alfano uh, is not so much at just the tape, too. He's going to start looking more in terms of this mentality, you know, looking at, you know, how they perceive things, too, including themselves, because he wants to get away from that potential issue that could be cancerous to the team. Uh, And from everything that's been out there with Zach Evans lately, you know, he falls right in line to that. Not saying anything that that's exactly why. It's just there is a correlation there. But, you know, Brent called it a couple weeks ago when he was on before. You know, he said it seems like everything's looking towards LSU, and he'll probably end up being another bell cow for LSU. But, you know, that's something they'll have to deal with, and Alabama still got their guy. And, man, you talk about, Wes, you don't know if you could do it. I know I couldn't do it. But it just gives me joy knowing – that Lincoln Riley in that moment has to fester in the dark with some chapped ass over what just happened after two years of being committed. I have heard too. Georgia, Georgia might might have made a play for Zach Evans. Have you heard anything on that, Brent? I I have not. Okay. Yeah. I, I really have checked out on Zach Evans. <laughs> You're I don't just completely really out of attention anymore. <laughs> yeah. To be honest. 
Yeah, I, I've heard uh, Kirby's kind of going all in on the, uh, I guess you could say like character issue, question mark guys, and he may be about to sign a couple of them. It could work out for him. Who, I mean, who knows? Maybe they get on campus and, and everything kind of goes the way that they envision it and it's all good, but this is a class that could blow up in Kirby's face too. Um, to be seen. It's not a guarantee Zach Evans ends up there. He could end up at LSU. It's going to be one of the two, though. Uh, well, it's not surprising Kirby would go after you know players that would be potential issues because you know he can't fully uh, transition into that Mark Rick 2.0 <laughs> until he does start losing control of players. He's got the record already, but gotta gotta lose control of some recruits and players. So he's yeah. uh, he's almost there. There, there were a few committed prospects that Alabama had wait to sign until the late period for various reasons. A defensive tackle, Jason Jones from Calera, Alabama, was one of those. It's my understanding that he now has a blue shirt offer from Alabama, which basically means he'd enroll as a preferred walk-on, then be placed on scholarship once practices begin. He wouldn't count against the 25. Do either of you expect Jones to end up in this class? So the the thing with the blue shirt is that he can't have taken an official visit mm-hmm. to Alabama or none of the coaches could have visited him at home. 24-7 doesn't show any visits anywhere. So I uh, I think that may be right, but that, that's one of those things that I can't really prove or know. Yeah, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't the, to the Alabama, with, but he, he has some official set up now to other schools. But yeah, he will not the, be taking one to Alabama, with, yeah. The thing with Jason Jones is he, he's this big, I think six seven, three hundred thirty or so pound defensive tackle. That uh, when I first watched him, I was like, I don't know why Alabama's recruiting this guy. I mean, he's he's big, and that that was really about it. But I, I've started to hear more and more that they actually want him for an offensive lineman, and he, he's already got the right body size for that. I mean, he's he's perfectly sized for it. And so kind of what I've heard is that if he's willing to play offensive line, Alabama wants him, but he, he's kind of still on the fence of that, and some other colleges are telling him, you can play defensive line here. Yeah. Whole scenario is kind of unfortunate. Uh, when the initial rankings for the 2020 class came out, I think maybe their sophomore season, and that may have been when you, when you watched him because that's when he committed, I believe, right? He's been committed for a long time. Yeah, uh, he, he's been around a long time, out, out of Calera, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, he was a top 30 prospect in the country. He had a significant injury his his junior season, then I guess, just didn't really develop like everyone had hoped and didn't recover, I guess, like everyone had hoped once he returned from the injury. Uh, he dropped over 200 spots since his sophomore season. He dropped over 300 on 24-7's rankings, uh, and here we are. So he has an official setup for Oregon. He has some other options as, as well, but at this point, I'd be, I guess, mildly surprised if he accepted a blue shirt from Alabama. But but we'll see how it goes. They they also have some other you, you you brought up offensive linemen. They have two more offensive linemen coming in for official visits. So that could say something about Damian George. It could also say something about Jason Jones. Yep. Right. Yeah, uh, Damian George is just another one of those really big guys that mm. kind of kind of right now he's just big and that's that's kind of his thing. Um, I've heard there may be academics or there may not be. It's not really something I can know for sure. But it, Damian George was one that was scheduled to sign on the early period and then last second said, ah, actually, maybe later period. So I, I don't really know where that one's going. But I, I do know when uh, we were watching Saban's press conference right after the signing day, he mentioned that they had a couple of offensive linemen that uh, I think he kind of said it. They were signed and he used a plural, but I wasn't sure if he meant like really plural. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if that meant 
Damian George was already signed or if he was talking about Jason Jones and they were all just going to announce later or who knows, there might be someone else out there. Uh, the staff is starting to reevaluate their options to finish off the class with the last few spots. The one position they've kind of swung and missed on so far is tight end. They need another player there. Of course, Eric Gilbert kind of stunned everyone and chose LSU a couple months ago. It looks like five-star Darnell Washington, who we talked about uh, on the last episode, that he will probably choose Georgia. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, if you've heard anything different. But the uh, focus will seemingly turn to three-star tight end Brandon Frazier from McKinney, Texas. He had previously been to, uh, committed to Arkansas until Chad Morris was fired. Look, I thought this was going to be a filler to add another body at the position that they needed. Have either of you watched any of his film at all? Yes, I have, and he is not a filler. I'll, He's I'll not. Say that. Yeah. I saw 6'7", no, 250. I saw those measurables, and I was thinking, like, okay, maybe a, a Brian Vogler type, kind of that big lumbering body, not really blazing speed by any means, just that slower tight end. And that's that's not what he is. This is like, he could be a legitimate threat in the passing game. He's He has uh, – it's listed at 4.5740. I don't know if that's correct, but I doubt it's far off. He has some speed on tape. Yeah, he, he does. Uh, so I, I actually hadn't really watched him until uh, you told me we were going to talk about him today. So I sat down and tried to find every video I could. And the, the dude has got some speed. So if, if you watched the Clemson-Ohio State game last night, there the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, took off on the 66-yard touchdown run. You're like, how does this 6'6 white kid run this fast? And it, it's just stride like his legs are just so long and Brandon Fraser's the same way he would take off running and you're like oh he does not look very fast and then you just see all these little defensive backs sprinting along behind him uh, so, so yeah he he's really tall uh, he made a lot of contested catches and he was a mean blocker too so watching him block he'd always kind of get his feet set in the right spot first and then just kind of strike into the guy he was wanting to block. And after, you know, a year of watching our current Alabama tight ends trying to block from beside (laughs) the guys they were trying to block, uh, that that was fun. That was really nice to watch. The the only thing with Frazier I noticed, uh, he didn't change directions all that well. Stopping, starting, route running, all of that. He'd just kind of take off from the line and turn around. But hey, when when it came to running down the field, breaking tackles, and blocking, he he could be a impactful tight end. Yeah, anyone that's six seven two fifty and can run a sub four six, uh, <laughs> that's that's worthy of an offer regardless. So yeah. yeah, you can work on the other things. It also does not hurt that he has a younger brother in the twenty twenty two class who mm. already has a Power 5 offer as a sophomore at Texas Tech, an in-state offer, and is projected to maybe potentially be a big-time prospect down the road. So we'll see how that goes. Um, mm. Defensive tackle McKinley Jackson from Mississippi is another remaining target for the staff. He was dominant. I don't know if you saw any of it. He was dominant during the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Week. He really has everyone in the country after him, including Lane now, with the, the in-state offer coming on strong. Have either of you heard about the likely that he ends up in Tuscaloosa? I, I have not heard much. Uh, there's kind of a lot of, I don't know. He, he's been a very quiet recruitment for a while. So I, I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, but I figure what's happening is Alabama is hoping for McKinley Jackson and have the commit in Jamil Burroughs as a kind of an on, on hold backup plan for him. Uh, yeah, depending on okay. McKinley, then that'll uh, give us our first uh, battle against the Sex Panther uh, for a recruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's coming hard. He's uh, Jackson did not list Ole Miss in his initial like favorites after Lane was hired, but I think that maybe Ch- Lane's on him on him hard. So well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then with Rakim Jarrett choosing Maryland and Arian Smith choosing Georgia. Where does Alabama look for a fourth receiver? It seems like it may be Xavier Henderson or or bust. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I was looking through all the receivers that are even left in the country that haven't already signed. There's Xavier Henderson, who uh, he he visited in the fall and at the time seemed really kind of on board with Alabama, but he's had a bunch of visits since then. We haven't heard anything. And I know, I think the coaches are set to visit him again in maybe early February or so. But past that, there is, I mean, there's just no one left out there that isn't signed or going to Arizona or something. All right, well, outside of recruiting, we'll move on. There have been rumors flying on players maybe choosing to return for their senior season. We know Terrell Lewis, Trevon Diggs are gone based on them sitting for the bowl game. I've heard Jerry Judy and Najee Harris are gone, unless you guys have heard anything different. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of buzz about Ruggs and Smith and Tua possibly choosing Mm -hmm. to come back. I'm not sure on the status of some of the others, but Tua posted – a cryptic message on Instagram on Saturday. The internet kind of ran wild with it, trying to figure out what it meant. But this kind of looks like a real possibility now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Henry Ruggs would be a really great target to come back. As as much early in the season, he was getting a bunch of first-round draft pick hype. Uh, He kind of ended up falling a little out of the way and targets throughout the year as we saw more and more and more go to Devontae Smith and you know Henry Ruggs has got he's got the speed and he's got the strength and runs into people and makes crazy catches but he doesn't quite have some of that route running and hands polish that you see from Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy so of all the guys I would think he'd be one that it really might would be in his interest to come back and work on you know kind of being a main one and two guys with him and waddle next year yeah so it's funny because about a little over a week ago i got a message saying that rugs was most likely coming back and that's going to play well into smitty and tua's decision and henry rugs also has a brother that Alabama is targeting as well. They don't know, if, uh, from what I was told, if Alabama's going to offer a scholarship or not. But it's chess and checkers. And, uh, you know, it seems like right now Ruggs is trending in that direction. I, I, I wouldn't look extremely into uh, Tua's message because I, I do think part of it's being caught up, you know, of him watching the playoffs, going through everything he's gone through. But honestly, day by day, I continue to slowly start realizing there is more of a real potential of greater than 50% that he could come back. And my God, I'm not even ready for the takes on the internet if that happens. <laughs> Have either of you heard anything on uh, the status of Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, by any chance? Heard anything? No. My personal speculation, uh, Jedrick Wills should absolutely go. Um, I'm, I'm kind of follow a bunch of a lot, a lot of your top NFL draft guys from all around, and pretty much everyone is really, really high on Jedrick Wills and have been for a while. So I, I think he's pushing top fifteen, and could he might could even break top ten draft pick. Uh, Alex Leatherwood on the on the other hand is a bit of an unknown. I don't know if he will go or even if he should go yet. So I, I don't know. He's been really quiet. All right, moving on. It seems like we might not have to deal with Gary Danielson anymore. I did want to bring this up. <laughs> See, CBS's contract with the SEC uh, that, look, they couldn't make the bid. Uh, the deal ends in 2023. It has been bought out by Disney, ESPN, ABC, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, there's speculation that it could be bought out before then. The current contract is $55 million per year. That's going to go up past $300 million when the new <laughs> contract begins. Uh, I've heard some speculation here that the SEC offices were not thrilled with CBS and their crew bringing up the LSU officiating conspiracy last year. Uh, not that that's going to make the difference in that much money or anything. I think they probably would have always went with ESPN. But I've heard that the, the SEC and their people have kind of not been happy with CBS for for about a year now. Well, some of us have not been happy with CBS for about a decade now. So. <laughs> Like, I liked Uncle Vern. I'm I might, I'm probably in the minority here, but I liked Uncle Vern. Uncle Vern was one of those things that you never realized how good you had it until it was gone. Oh, I realized. Look, I was adamant. I was a, a loud Uncle Vern fan. That's all I'm going to say. I know he made some mistakes. He'd slur a name or get a name wrong occasionally. But overall, his voice was kind of synonymous with that big SEC game every week. For, for me, we could potentially, if, if this moves to, when this moves to ABC, we could get a team of, you know, with maybe Kirk Herbstreet calling games since he usually calls that top ABC game. Now, that, that would be fun. I, you know, some people give Herbie a hard time, but I, I've always liked him as an announcer. He, yeah. He's solid. Yeah, that's that's friend of the show, Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I do enjoy most of the time, you know, listening to him. But what I'm hoping for is if we can get a, you know, a little bump to Reese Davis, get him to call in some games so we can have that, that bammer on top, you know. I'm telling you. Uh, that way it's another conspiracy there alone. Yeah, yeah, that's Brad's good friend, Kirk. Um, lastly, <laughs> Alabama plays Michigan in the Citrus Bowl on New Year's Day. Do you guys think with it being that brand name in Michigan and and the recognizable name in coaching and Jim Harbaugh that it gives the players a little more juice going into the game than, than maybe it would have they had been paired up against, say, Minnesota? I think so, yeah. Uh, I, I will say I was absolutely dreading getting matched up with Memphis. Mm-hmm. Preach. Uh, or Boise State. So, <laughs> but when I heard Michigan, I was like, okay, this is another – Top name team that kind of didn't have the season they wanted, and they're you know they're not going to be out there. This little division, like small division school, ready to prove themselves against the top. It's you know another team kind of in a similar boat to Alabama is. So I, I think that's good. And I uh, you, you know there's been the few times Alabama hasn't competed for a championship. There's either been the horrible loss to Utah, or there's been destroying Michigan State in the Capital <laughs> One Bowl. And it's like there's been no in-between. It's either Alabama's not ready to play, or they just demolish someone. Yeah, so I'm feeling the latter. Which one happened? Yeah. I, I'm hoping it's the latter. Uh, everything everyone said, you know, they sound like they're in the right mindset. But, hey, we'll, we'll see Wednesday. Yeah. Well, Michigan didn't quite have the season they wanted for about the last better part of two decades. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I just hope, Wes, you ask, uh, you know, does this match up and coach, you know, does it bring it out in the players to play up? No, I, I just hope they have the mentality you and I do, especially yourself, of when we bring up Michigan, period. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that. They are the most over overrated blue blue blood in all of college football. Uh, it's been what uh, two wars since they've last won an outright national championship, oh, that, or yeah. maybe three. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. seventy years. Yeah, uh, we're so, on I mean, year seventy one now. Well, congrats on their uh, retirement program. So, 
but here's the thing. This is the Najee Harris Bowl. This is exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be wild as shit to watch him change jerseys in between drives. I mean, but of course, you know, it's Jim Harbaugh. Things are going to get weird. I expect everything to go crazy in this game. But, man, I'm telling you, th- this is just such a awesome, awesome matchup. Now, I will say this, though. We lose. I'm done with Twitter, so I'm, I'm just calling my <laughs> just shot now. Off. There's no way in hell we lose to the damn sleepover king who, you know, <laughs> n- no, it's not going to happen. Look, I got to get my Michigan takes out of the way. All right. Michigan is a big brand. It's a big name. But Michigan is a fake elite program. And this is what happens when you lose two games in a season. You go dumpster diving with programs that have not won a consensus national championship in 70 years. Uh, Harbaugh is also a fake big-time coach, so this was always really a perfect marriage. Michigan Most overrated home. head coach in all of professional sports. Yes. Argue with your mama. Yep. Hey, look, he, he did a good job at Stanford, and there's something to be said for playing in the Super Bowl. I get that. I'm not taking that away from him. But Harbaugh got a lot of run out of the one Super Bowl appearance, and he had potentially the most talented team in the NFL. Well, I did I did a little research here, okay? That team that went to the Super Bowl had nine pro bowlers. The record's 12. They had nine all pros. They weren't the same nine guys. So they had 11 total players as either all pros or pro bowlers. The, that is not counting these players. Michael Crabtree, Colin Kaepernick, Ted Ginn Jr., Vernon Davis, Delaney Walker, and Ahmad Brooks, and Alex Smith, who is a three-time Pro Bowler, as their backup. So when I read that list, and I'm sure 49ers fans feel the same way, that's almost an, an indictment on Harbaugh, that he could not win the big one with that talent during that time frame. And his offensive coordinator was this guy named Greg Rollman, who, if you think about it now, is tearing up the league as offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens yeah. with a quarterback that can run and a strong running game. So, yeah. yeah. See what happens when you get hooked up with the normal Harbaugh? So. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if, I'm, if you made a list of franchises with the most talent in certain time periods to not win the Super Bowl, the 49ers in those two or three years, they have to be near the top. Yeah. Like, Look, here's my here's my mic drop on the situation. What's that Super Bowl remembered for? The lights going out? Yeah. The blackout. That is, <laughs> yeah. that is fitting because that was the night the lights went out on Jim Harbaugh ever winning a championship at any level. <laughs> uh, I like that. How long have you been holding on to that, Joe? Yeah, seriously. That's what I was about to ask. I literally ready. about 30 seconds. So. <laughs> but, that, I mean, it's maybe not quite as bad as, say, the Bills in the 90s. But it's still pretty oh, no. awful that you could not, you couldn't win one with with that amount of talent because that is an absurd amount of talent. If I'm looking at that team and I'm wanting wanting to to figure out like, hey, how did that team get that talented and who can I hire to kind of match that? I go after the GM. I don't go after Jim Harbaugh. And it's really not fair to compare coaches to Bill Belichick. But how many of his Super Bowl teams, Brad? You you could probably answer this. How many of his Super Bowl teams? had less talent on paper than what I just read than that 49ers team and won a Super Bowl. Of the six, I'd say four. Yeah, it's insane. So, you know, but, hey, that's just because they got the right system. You know, it's nothing other than that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, look, I cannot – I know Christmas just passed, and we're playing on New Year's Day. So I hope, like hell, Najee Harris starts his New Year off right, and he also gives me a late Christmas gift. All right, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.